You know, something else I'm thankful for, we had something happen today that I don't think's ever happened before. We had some, have somebody came here today in a semi-truck, praise God, out on the parking lot. He saw us in the Rama magazine. Where are you at? Where's the semi? There he is right there. Give him a big hand, praise God. Amen. Glory to God. So I asked the Lord a long time ago, send people in, in cars and, and vans and minivans and trucks and motorcycles, bicycles, walk-ups, and we've had all of it. But I never said anything about a semi-truck. But he sent somebody today in a semi-truck. Praise God. He saw us in the Rama magazine. You know, we're affiliated with Rama, and so uh, glad he's here today. Praise God. All right, sec- let's go to Genesis, the second chapter, and the 16th verse. Genesis, the second chapter, and the 16th verse. Are you still as excited about the Word of God as I am? Let's be excited about the Word of God. Genesis 2.16. This was after, you know, God made man and put him in the Garden of Eden. And he commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. That's a good deal, isn't it? Freely eat all of, all of the trees of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of, the good, of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely what? Surely what? Surely die. Now, we're on the theme of revival, as you know, those of you who have been attending and regularly. And we've told you that the message that leads to revival is the preaching of God's judgment along with His goodness. Whenever the judgment of God is preached, whenever the goodness of God is preached, and those can be preached at the same time, it will lead to revival, you see, in the lives of people. And it will cause sinners to get saved, and it will cause believers who have grown cold, lukewarm and cold, it will cause them to refire themselves and get stirred back up and serve God, you know. And of course, uh, what we've been doing the last several services is studying about God judging us in the here and now. God judging us in the here and now. How many's learned some things about how God judges us in the here and now? And it's been very interesting. But today I want to look at and consider a judgment of the past at Calvary where Jesus died upon the cross. And I want to consider today God's greatest judgment. God's greatest judgment. Now notice here in Genesis 2.17, we looked at where God said to Adam, in the day that you eat of it. Now he could eat of all of those other trees except the one. And uh, actually you you, you see the principle of the tithe right here, don't you? Have all of them, but that one belonged to the Lord. Don't eat of it. And he said, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? Surely what? Surely die. Now, whenever you say the word die to people, most of the time people just think about physical death. They just think about dying physically, you know, and they think of people laying in a casket, you know, and being buried in the ground. But it's much more than that. You need to realize that the death that God was talking about here 
Yes, physical, certainly, but actually he was talking about three, three types of death. And when you think about death, don't just think about ceasing to exist. You'll make, you'll make a mistake if you think about death as just ceasing to exist. When he said you'll surely die, he was first and foremost talking to Adam and Eve, of course, about, uh, you know, because Eve was in, in on it eventually, you know. But he was talking about spiritual death. In the day that you eat of that, if you eat of that tree, you will die. First of all, he was talking about spiritually. That means when you're separated from the life of God. And so when Adam ate of that, that tree, see his wife ate first, the devil entered the serpent, deceived Eve, and then she ate, and then she gave to her husband who was right there with her, and he did eat. When they ate, they did die. Yeah, but pastor, they didn't die for hundreds of years after that. Well, physically they didn't die for hundreds of years after that, but God said in the day that you eat of it, you'll surely die. They did die that day. They were Their spirits were separated from the life of God. Death means separation. And their spirits were separated from the life of God, from the glory of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that man was, was, was crowned with God's glory, the glory of God. You see, we have a Sunday school mentality of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden where you see Adam and Eve, you know, in a picture behind a bush somewhere. But when, I tell you what, when, when God made them, he crowned them with his glory and his honor and the power of God, the glory of God engulfed them. You need to understand that. And he said to them, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you're going to be separated from that glory. You're going to be separated from the life of God. And indeed, that's what happened when Adam and Eve, when they ate of that fruit, they were separated from the life of God. Now, it took hundreds of years for the physical part of it to catch up with them. And they did eventually die physically when their spirits left their body. That's physical death is when your spirit leaves your body. The Bible says in the book of James that the body without the spirit is dead. But you see, they died first spiritually. They were cut off from the life of God is what that means. And eventually then they died physically. Also in that word death, in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. In that word die, also sickness and disease was introduced to the human race. How many of you know sickness and disease is not the will of God? It's not the will of God, but it was introduced that day. One person said sickness and disease is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother's sin. And sickness and disease attacking the physical body was introduced that day. Mental malady was introduced. You know what I mean when I say mental malady? I'm talking about oppression, depression, disease of the mind was introduced. Poverty was introduced. Do you know it's that lack and poverty is not the will of God? Did you know that? It, it really isn't, but it was introduced right there. It's all in that word die. In the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. You'll die spiritually. You'll die physically. You'll have sickness. You'll have disease. You'll have, you'll have poverty. You'll have the sweat of your brow. As you till the ground and work the ground, it will become work, you see. 
And then something else that we need to realize in that word die, it carries an eternal connotation with it. Eternally separated from God, eternally separated from God in, in, in what's known in the Bible as a place called hell. And then even eventually a worse place known as the lake of fire. That's all encompassed in that word. In the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. Spiritually, physically, sickness and disease introduced, mental malady, poverty, and eternal separation, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, Not only in hell, what we think of as hell now. It's a place of torment and then even a worse place eventually known as the lake of fire. That's all encompassed in that word, die. And Adam and Eve, they ate of that tree and they did die. And you need to realize that Adam's sin affected not just him, but it affected the entire human race. How many of you know we all came down from Adam and Eve? Is that right? How many, how many agrees with that? We didn't come down from a monkey. Is that right? We, we came down from Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they died and it, 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 sin is a, is, is a thing that affected the entire human race. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, says, and notice this, 1 Corinthians 15.22. I just want to read the first part of it. 1 Corinthians 15.22. Let's go there and look at this. I want you to see it. 1 Corinthians 15.22. For as in Adam, for as in Adam, all... All what? All die. As in Adam, all die. What what does the Bible mean by that? Because we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. And in Adam, all die. That sin nature, it's known as the sin nature, passed down to us all. The Bible says, you can just just listen to this one, Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is what? Is death. And you see, God's eternal judgment, not only when Adam, when Adam sinned, and he didn't have to sin, say, say amen. He, he didn't have to, but he did. He had his own free choice, didn't he? Somebody asked me one time, why did God put that tree in there and tell Adam he, 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 could, he couldn't, couldn't eat of it? Why did God put the tree in the garden? I'll tell you why. Because God wanted the human race to love him and serve him because they wanted to, not because they had to. And so that's why God gave man a choice. Do you hear me? That's why we have the free choice. God will not violate your free choice. We have the free choice to get up and come to church on Sunday. We have the free choice to lay home and stay in bed. Is that right? We've got that free choice. We have that free choice. Adam had that free choice. And he sinned. And he passed that sin then. It, It came down to us all. And the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And you see, God's eternal judgment rested not only... On Adam and Eve, but his eternal judgment rested upon us all. All of us to be separated from God, spirit, soul, and body for eternity. 
to bear sickness and disease in our bodies, to, to, to bear mental malady, broke, busted, disgusted. The, the, the total judgment of God rested upon us all and an eternity in, in, in a devil's hell. That's not a bright outlook, is it? How many knows that's not a bright outlook? But let's go to Romans. Let's don't stop there. Let's go to Romans 8.3. Romans 8.3. Because you see in God's greatest judgment, we also see His great, greatest goodness. In His greatest judgment, we also observe His greatest goodness. Notice this, Romans 8 and 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Watch this now. God did by sending his own son. Does anybody know his name? Jesus. Jesus sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, he, that's talking about God the Father, condemned or judged sin in the flesh. Now, dear friends, that's one of the greatest scriptures in all the Bible right there. I just talked to you about God's greatest judgment, but now in this verse we see God's greatest goodness. You see, mankind is supposed to bear the eternal weight of God's judgment, but God sent His own Son, Jesus into the earth, became a man. The word was made flesh, the Bible says, and dwelt among us. And then, as you study the life of Jesus, he was tempted in all points. And he never sinned. How many of you are glad that he never sinned? And then, eventually, he went to the cross... And God judged him. What does the Bible say? He condemned or he judged sin in the what? In the flesh. Do you see that? You need to get that. Look at the end of Romans 8 and 3. God the Father condemned or we could say judged sin in the flesh. What does that mean? It means that we were to bear the, uh, the eternal weight of God's judgment... But God is so good that He sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The second member of the Trinity became flesh, became a man, dwelt among us, tempted in every way you can be tempted. Unlike Adam, He never sinned. And then God the Father, when Jesus was upon the cross, He judged sin or condemned sin in the flesh. I'll put it in my own words. We were supposed to hang on that cross, but Jesus went and hung there for us. Can anybody say amen? amen. You need to realize something about Jesus. He is our substitute. Real loud say substitute. He's our substitute. What does that mean? See, He came and He filled the role for us. See, I, I, I taught in a public school system for several years, and, and, and sometimes I couldn't be in class. I had to go do, do other things. They'd send me off to a conference, and I'd have a substitute come in, and that substitute teacher would do everything in that day that I was supposed to do. If I had bus duty in the morning, that substitute went to bus duty, you see. When I had third period off, that substitute got third period off. If I had lunch duty that, that month, then that substitute went... 
and did lunch duty. You see, if I, if I, had, uh, if I had bus duty then after school, that substitute had, went and did bus duty. That substitute did everything in that day that I, the teacher, would have done. And you see, Jesus, see that, that eternal punishment rested upon us, but Jesus came... And he filled in as our substitute. He stepped in as our savior, as our substitute. And now he's gonna, everything that you and I had coming, he's gonna get every, everything that you and I had coming. Everything that you and I was supposed to do, he's gonna step in as our substitute and he's gonna get it for us. He's gonna do it for us. He's gonna endure it for us. Everything that, that uh, in the judgment of God that was coming our way, Jesus stepped in and he bore it for us. So that we don't have to as our substitute. Can anybody say praise God? <laughs> Dear friends, if you ever lose sight of what, of what I just said there, you'll grow cold in your walk with God. Always stay stirred up concerning what Jesus has done for us. Always stay stirred up. Jesus came on our behalf. Stepped in as our substitute, everything to the last jot and tittle that we had coming our way, he stepped in and he as our substitute bore it for us so we don't have to. So we see God's greatest judgment, but we also see God's greatest goodness. Isn't that the goodness of God that he sent his own son to fill in for us? Huh? Now, to get a full view of actually God's judgment on sin and what Jesus did for us, let's go to Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Turn there. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Let's turn there. And in this 53rd chapter, we're going to see the wrath of God, the judgment of God that was headed our way. It was headed for us. But Jesus stepped in. And, uh, and, and bore it for us. Now look at this. Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who has believed our report? I have. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, Jesus, shall grow up before him, before the Father as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. What does that mean? means that if you saw Jesus, he wouldn't look like a Hollywood movie star. He is despised and rejected by men. Did you know Jesus was rejected in every way that a man could be rejected? Every way a man could be rejected, he was rejected. His mama rejected him at one point. His brothers rejected him in his earthly ministry. Even John the Baptist, who at one time said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, at a later time said, Are you the one we're looking for, or should we look for another? He's despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. Remember that. He was despised and we did not esteem him. How many of you know Jesus when he was here in the earth as a whole, he was not esteemed, was he? Is that right? Now look at verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Well, whose griefs and sorrows were they? They were ours, but he bore them. 
We esteemed him stricken. Now notice this. He was stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Don't ever forget that. Look at this. He was smitten by God, stricken by God, and afflicted. Who was supposed to get struck? You and me. Who was supposed to get smote? You and me. Who was supposed to be afflicted? You and me. God's judgment required it. You see, God is so righteous that, that sin must be judged. And so that, that striking, that smiting, that affliction was headed for us. But God sent Jesus and Jesus freely came and stepped in on our behalf. And he received that striking, that smiting and that afflicting. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, that's our mind, that mental malady. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. All oppression, all depression was laid upon the mind of Christ when he was on the cross at Calvary. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, those 39 stripes that, 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 that riddled his back, by his stripes we are healed. See, he bought our healing for us. Amen. He bought our healing for us. Oh, he bought our healing for us. Oh, my. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But watch this. The Lord has laid on him. Laid on him. The iniquity of us all. He laid it on Jesus. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about that as he hanged there. His body had been beaten immersively. Isaiah the 52nd chapter says that he was marred more than the sons of men. He hung there unrecognizable as a man. And God the Father lays upon him the iniquity, the sin of us all. Every wrongdoing that you and I have ever done, that anyone has ever done, all of that was laid upon Jesus. Think about that. All the sin of all mankind for all time was laid upon him in that one place and that one time as he hung there suspended between heaven and earth on that old rugged cross. Unrecognizable, I believe not only unrecognizable as a man physically, but unrecognizable spiritually. See, we always look at the physical side of the cross, and that's good and that's wonderful. But there was a spiritual side to it as well, which we'll say some things about here in just a moment. But all the sins of all mankind were laid upon Him. The Lord God laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. What is he bearing now? He's bearing the judgment of Almighty God that was due us. But God is judging Jesus in our place. He's judging sin in the flesh. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, 
So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. See, from judgment. He was bearing that judgment that was due you and I. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was cut off. The Bible says in the book of Daniel that Messiah, Jesus, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. How many of you know he was cut off all right, but he wasn't cut off for himself. He was cut off for you and for me. He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions, now watch this, for the transgressions of my people, he was what? He was stricken. Why was Jesus stricken? Because of your sin and mine. Some people have said that the Romans put him on the cross. Well, that's true. They put him on the cross. But there's something deeper than that that put him on the cross. You and I put him on the cross. Adam put him on the cross. It was our sins that put him on the cross. And it was the love of God that kept him hanging there. How many of you know Jesus on that cross could have called legions of angels and and they'd have come and rescued him? But it was his great love that held him on that cross. Yes, it was the nails, all right, but it was deeper than the nails. It was his love and the joy that was set before him. When he saw you and I being freed from sin, it was the love of, that he had, the love of God that held him there. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. I don't know that there's anybody here that's just tolerating this, that's just sitting here putting up with this. But if you are, and I don't know that there is, but if you're sitting here just tolerating it, just putting up with this, you need to get a, you, sir, madam, you need to get an understanding of what it was that Jesus did for you. I tell you what, if anybody even got a glimpse of hell, they'd be the most interested person. In the word of God. And Jesus did all of this so that you didn't have to go to the cross. And so that you didn't have to then go even to a worse place known as hell. My goodness. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death. If you study this out in the Hebrew, that word death is an intensive plural. What do you mean intensive plural? It's talking about that he bore and died on... Actually, there's three realms. It was a spiritual realm, a mental realm, and a physical realm. Did you know Jesus... He he was cut off spiritually from the life of God, not because he deserved it, but because we deserved it. The Bible said he was cut off, but not for himself. Spiritually cut off. He was, see, God said to Adam, in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. And then what God did is he used the blood of the the lambs and the bulls and the goats and the calves and, and all of that for, for, 
approximately 4,000 years until he could get Jesus into the earth to shed his precious blood. You see, all the blood of the, of the animals, all that did was cover sin on an annual basis, on a temporary basis. But now Jesus is going to shed his blood and is shedding his blood at Calvary and it will eliminate sin. It will wash sin away as though it was never there. See, the blood of the animals covered sin, but if something can be covered, it, 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 it can be uncovered. But I'm telling you what, the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the blood of the animals. The blood of Jesus, see, the blood of the animals covered sin. The blood of Jesus washes it away. Somebody say amen. And he's cut off. In the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. So God covers the sin until Jesus comes and bears that death that Adam was supposed to bear, that bears that death that you and I were supposed to bear. You see, Jesus is bearing it. And the Bible talks about his death. He was cut off, plural. He was cut off on a spiritual level and, and, and mentally. And, and then eventually his spirit left his body. Physical death, spiritual death, physical death, and then eternal death. We'll talk about that as we go. Watch this. The Bible says he'd done no violence. How many of you know Jesus never sinned? Nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord. Talking about God the Father. It pleased God the Father to bruise him. He was... He, he, God the Father, put him to grief. Why? So that you and I didn't have to be put to grief. When? When? When you make his soul an offering for sin. You see, there was a physical side to Calvary with the beatings and the shedding of the blood and, and all of that. But there was also spiritual a spiritual side to it. His soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And Jesus hangs there upon that cross from nine in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon. He took our place. Our substitute. He's suspended between heaven and earth. We were supposed to be there. We had an appointment there. But he came and he bore it for us. Pastor, you keep saying that and saying that. Yeah, I don't ever want any of us to lose sight of the fact that you had an appointment on the cross. I had an appointment on the cross. But Jesus came and he fulfilled that appointment for us as our substitute. Somebody say amen. My God. And as he hangs there at nine, goes on at nine in the morning, and then something interesting happens at high noon. Darkness covers the land. Darkness in Scripture very often is talking about the judgment of God, and we know that God judged Jesus on the cross on our behalf. The Messiah was cut off, but not for himself. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus yields up his spirit you see, we think about the physical side, but there was a spiritual side. And the Bible's clear. I've had many people come to me and say, what happened to Jesus' spirit when his spirit left his body on that cross? Well, we know and understand that his spirit, when his spirit left his body, his spirit didn't, didn't go to heaven at that point. We know that because after he was raised from the dead and Mary wanted to touch him, he said, I have not yet, what? Ascended. Also, Jesus said, 
that like Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the fish, that the Son of Man would be what? Three days and nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus' spirit went in. Yeah, his body went in the grave, but that's not the heart of the earth. The grave's not the heart of the earth. His spirit went into the heart of the earth. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that he was made to be sin who knew no sin. How many of you know Jesus never sinned? But all the sins of mankind was laid upon him. All the sickness, all the disease, all the mental malady laid upon him at one time. Now to get a further view of what happened when Jesus yielded up his spirit and to get a further view of what happened at Calvary, all you have to do is go look at the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament. On that Day of Atonement much happened, but actually little is said about this. There were two male goats. Two male goats, see, which was a type of, of Christ on the cross. Remember the Bible said deaths, plural. There was a spiritual side and a physical side. We say much about the physical side and that's great, but little is said about the spiritual side. Let's talk a little bit about the spiritual side. Those two goats on the Day of Atonement, one was known as the sin offering. It was slaughtered and it shed blood and it shed blood was placed on the mercy seat. But then there was also another male goat known as the scapegoat. And that goat was kept alive. It was not slaughtered. It was kept alive. You see that goat that was slaughtered shows us the physical side of Jesus' sufferings. The scapegoat that was kept alive shows us the spiritual side. And what happened with that scapegoat that was kept alive, the high priest would lay his hands upon the head of that scapegoat, symbolically transferring the sins of the people onto it, and it was sent out into the wilderness. Well, Jesus had all of the sins of... See, the Father God laid all the sins of all mankind upon Jesus... And then he yielded up his spirit. We know that his spirit then went in, just like that scapegoat went off into the wilderness, which is a dry, dry, barrenless, waterless place. Jesus went into the heart of the earth. And then people asked me, now you got to remember everything that we were supposed to do, Jesus was doing it for us. We were supposed to be on the cross. He went there for us. He's our substitute. Every place that you and I were supposed to go, He went for us. How many of you know that, it, that if we die without Jesus Christ as our Savior, where is it that we go? We don't go to heaven. Where do we go? We go to where? To hell. Is that right? How many would agree with me that if a sinner dies, they don't know Jesus, they go to hell. Is that right? Is that correct? According to this book, that's where they go. Is that right? So Jesus then, as a substitute of mankind, he has to go everywhere that we would have had to go. And so his spirit leaves his body. See, on that cross at high noon, he's cut off from the life of God. All the sins of mankind are laid upon him. All the sickness, all the disease... All the mental malady, his spirit leaves his body, goes into the heart of the earth. But people ask me, they say, did he go to hell? Did he go to hell? Did he go to hell? 
Well, look at Acts 2.26. Come on, look at Acts 2.26 and we'll find out. Where did Jesus go? Remember, He has to go everywhere we were supposed to go. So we don't have to go. Acts 2.26, Therefore my heart rejoiced. Now this is quoting David in the Old Testament who was prophesying, speaking the words of Christ. Notice this, Acts 2.26, Therefore my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad. This is Jesus speaking. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. Where did they put his flesh? They put his flesh in the tomb. What's it doing in the tomb? It's resting in hope. In hope of what? In hope of the resurrection, you see. For you will not leave my soul, or we could say spirit, where? Where? In Hades. Now, you look that word up. Now, there's people who argue with you and tell you Jesus didn't go into the... See, Hades means the underworld. And there's people who argue and say he didn't go into the suffering part of Hades. But when you look that word Hades up, you study that out and you look that word Hades up, that word Hades means the place of torment. That's where Jesus went. He went into the, his spirit went into the inner workings of the earth, into hell itself, into the place of torment. There's another scripture that talks about him going into the deep or the abyss. The same place that those demons did not want to go when Jesus was sending them out of that maniac. That's where Jesus' spirit went. Thank God for everything He did on that cross. See, He's working as our substitute. Every place we were supposed to go, He went for us. We were supposed to go to the cross. He went there so we don't have to go. We were supposed to go to hell. He went there so we don't have to go. What happens when somebody rejects Jesus Christ and they die? They go to hell. They didn't take advantage of what He did. Now you can read your Bible. The Bible says you'll not leave my soul in Hades or in hell. That means the place of torment. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. See, his body is not going to begin to decay. There's going to be a resurrection. But you see, his spirit went into the innermost workings of the earth. And the Bible's clear that Jesus went in to hell itself. Why did he go there? So that you and I don't have to. Now what all happened in there? I don't know all what happened in there, but I know that it wasn't good. He bore, not only on the cross, but he bore in hell itself everything that you and I had coming. But how many of you know he didn't stay there? How many of you glad he didn't stay there? Now, now hold your place in Acts 2 and go back to Isaiah 53.11. Now notice this. God the Father shall see the labor of his soul. Where was his soul? His soul had gone to where we were supposed to go. He shall see the labor of his soul. What all happened when his soul was in hell? I don't know, but there was great labor. The Bible says, he'll, God the Father, he will see the labor of Jesus' soul. And at some point, at some point, 
And actually it was after three days and three nights, the justice of God was what? Was satisfied. Why did Jesus only have to suffer for three days and three nights? Well, did you ever read in the Bible where the Bible says the just for the unjust? The just for the unjust. He was the just, we're the unjust. And think about that. He went on our behalf. And did you ever think about this? You see, a man, which we would think of as being temporal, was to suffer eternally. So the eternal himself came and suffered temporally for three days and three nights, thus satisfying the claims of the justice of a holy God. And after three days and three nights, because we see that in other parts of the scripture, God the Father saw the labor of his soul and was satisfied. Aren't you glad that Jesus satisfied the claims of God? And then the Bible says, By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he'll... For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I'll divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many. And he made intercession for the transgressors. How many of you know Jesus made intercession for us? Have you ever watched football? And the the football quarterback throws a pass. And it's intended for a certain receiver. How many has ever watched, even you ladies, you've watched some enough football that you know what, a, what an interception is. And, and the quarterback throws the ball and it's intended for a certain receiver. But uh, uh, somebody from the other team comes in and catches it and makes the interception. Is that right? Well, I'm here today to tell you that, that, that Adam was put in the garden of Eden and he was told not to eat of that tree. He said, in the day you eat that tree, you'll surely die and I'm going to have to throw a pass at you, Adam, and I'm going to have to throw a pass at the whole human race and that pass, that football, so to speak, that's coming from God the Father is going to have eternal separation, spiritual death, mental death, physical death, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, and that football is going to be thrown at the human race. And how many of you know that football was headed at the human race. and but, but right before it got to us, there's somebody called Jesus, bless God. He came from heaven itself and he came in and he, he jumped in and he caught the... Can you say amen, my God? Glory to God. How many are you glad he caught that pass? Because if he'd have missed, it would have hit us and we'd be separated in a devil's hell for eternity. I'm so glad Jesus intercepted the pass. Notice if you would. Romans 4.25. I'm not going to apologize for giving you a lot of scripture. You need a lot of scripture. Romans 4.25. The Bible says who was delivered up, talking about Jesus. Why was he delivered up? Because of our what? Our offenses. But notice he was raised, talking about raised from the dead, because of our what? Our justification. When God the Father was satisfied and his, the claims of his justice and judgment had been met, then Jesus 
got raised from the dead. When all mankind was justified in God's sight, then Jesus got raised from the dead. Now notice Acts 2.24. Look at this. Acts 2.24. Watch this. Acts 2.24. Whom God raised up. Whom God raised up. I'm glad he raised Jesus up. Watch this. Whom God raised up, having loosed. Now watch this. Having loosed the pains of death. Well, that couldn't be talking about physical death. Because once somebody dies physically and their spirit leaves their body, all pain ceases. Is that right? This is talking about spiritual death. Jesus went into hell itself and suffered on our behalf. He labored not only on the cross, but he labored in in hell. The Bible's clear. But you see, after three days and three nights, God raised him up and he loosed him from those pains of death. The Bible tells us the power of the Holy Ghost came in there and raised him from the dead. Praise God. And then the Bible says, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Now, somebody asked me one time, why couldn't death, why couldn't hell, why couldn't hell hold him? I'll tell you why. Because he never sinned. And then in in, in Acts 2.31, watch this. Foreseeing this, he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ. This is talking about when Jesus getting raised from the dead. That his soul was not left where? In Hades. Again, look it up. That's the place of torment. His soul was not left in the place of torment, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God has raised up. Say amen. Amen. And the book of Ephesians tells us that when God raised Jesus, we got raised with him. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named. You see, listen to this. Jesus, when he was in hell laboring and suffering on our behalf, when he satisfied the claims of a holy God, he was raised from spiritual death. Do you ever think about about it, that that raised from spiritual death? What does that mean? His spirit was hooked up with the life of God again. His spirit was hooked back up with the life of God. Uh, uh, Jesus, the Bible says, is the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead. Among many brethren. Did you know that the earmark of Christianity really isn't the physical resurrection, although that's mightily important, but did you know the earmark of Christianity is that is that spiritual resurrection that took place in the pit of hell? Did you know other people had been raised from the dead before Jesus? Did you know there's people in the Old Testament that had been raised from physical death? Is that right? Didn't Jesus raise some people from physical death? Didn't he raise Lazarus from physical death? Didn't he raise Jairus' daughter from physical death? Didn't he raise that boy in Nain from physical death? Didn't he? But what happened to all those people that he raised and that were raised in the Old Testament from physical death? They all died again, didn't they? But what's different about Jesus? Jesus got raised first from spiritual death. His spirit as our representative. See, Adam sold us out to the devil and Adam caused us to be unhooked from the life of God. Jesus came in there and he caused our spirits to be hooked back up with the life of God. And he was raised first spiritually. That just means he got hooked back up with the life of God. When he got hooked back up, we got hooked back up with him. See, when Adam sold us out, when Adam sinned, we all got sold out when Jesus hooked us back up. We all got hooked. You, you getting what I'm saying? 
I'm going to say that again. When Adam sinned, we all got unhooked. When Jesus, through what he did, got hooked back up, we got hooked back up with God with him. Amen? You getting any of this? Glory to God. And Jesus was... See, all those people that died physically and was raised from physical death under Jesus' ministry and in the Old Testament, see, they all died again. But Jesus, He gets raised spiritually. His spirit gets hooked back up with the life of God. And then the Bible, it's clear, He took the keys of hell and of death. How could He get the keys of hell if He never went down there to get them? He took the, he was raised from spiritual death. His spirit was hooked back up with the life of God as a representative of the human race. When he got hooked back up, we got hooked back up with him. And then the Bible, I believe it's clear, he walked across that great gulf. Glory to God. He came over into Abraham's bosom, you see. And over in Abraham's bosom, they had a worship service. And then he got raised from physical death. Praise God. And his spirit came back up into the, into the tomb and the power of God hit his body and, and, and his spirit came back in his body and he was raised from physical death. Praise God. And, and the difference between all those people that had gotten raised in the Old Testament and under Jesus' ministry. See, when they got raised, they died again. But now Jesus is hooked back up with the life of God. And when he gets raised and he walks out of the tomb, he's never going to die again. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Never to die again. Death can't touch him. He had the glorified body. And he walked out and he said, All power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. See, that power that Adam lost and that authority that Adam lost, Jesus came and took it back. Can you say amen? I get so excited when I preach this, it's hard to even finish. My God, I get excited. I can't, I'm going to throw my coat. Bless God. Praise God. Glory to God. Praise God. I'm sorry, folks, but I just get so excited about what... I shouldn't even apologize. I get excited. I'm excited. When you can't get excited, my God, check up and see if you're saved. I'm glad for what Jesus... See, Adam sold us out to the devil. But Jesus came and hooked us back up. He came and rescued, took us back from the devil, hooked us back up with God and caused the new birth to be made available. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. See, all those people, I want to be sure you got it. Did all those people that were raised in the Old Testament, did they die again? Yeah. Yeah. But Jesus, when he got raised, he's not ever going to die again. Why not? Because he got hooked back up with the life of God. I said he got hooked back up with the life of God. I said he got hooked back up with the life of God. When he got hooked back up, what happened? We got hooked back up with him. Amen? And and, and he was actually, the Bible, he's a firstborn. Firstborn from the dead. That's not talking about physical. He was a firstborn from spiritual death. Making the new birth available to us all. And then he was raised from physical death. Never to die again with that glorified body. And he stepped out and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. That authority that Adam lost, Jesus got it back. I know I'm repeating myself, but I want you to get it. 
We don't need to be pushed around by the devil. We've got authority. And Jesus got that authority for us, praise God. And when he got raised, we got raised with him. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, bless God. That name of Jesus is above cancer. If you've got cancer in your body, the power of Jesus Christ will drive that cancer out. If you're suffering oppression and depression, I'm here today to tell you that the power of the name of Jesus will drive that oppression away from you. You don't need to have another dark Monday, praise God. Glory to God. And then after he came out of the tomb, the Bible says he ascended into heaven. Not much is said about this, but he ascended into heaven and he took that most holy blood that he shed and he presented it in the heaven. The Bible says that Jesus went into heaven after he was raised from the dead and he appeared in the presence of God on behalf of you and me. What does that mean? He went there as our substitute. And he presented his holy blood on that heavenly mercy seat. And God the Father accepted that. Can you say amen? And that blood sealed our eternal redemption forever. How many of you know there's power in the blood? I said there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you the blood of Abel cried out vengeance. I tell you what, the blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of Jesus Christ cries out grace and mercy and forgiveness. Can you say amen? And eternal redemption was sealed for all mankind for all time. You see, today, I just talked about the first part of many of those scriptures where we talked about the judgment part, etc., and so on. But I want you to listen to the second half. Just listen to the second half of these scriptures. You see, shortly after Adam ate of that tree and he died, you know, God came in and he pronounced judgment all right, but he also came in and he said, there's one coming born of the seed of the woman that's going to crush your head. Is that right? Isn't God good? Even in the midst of his judgment, God's good. We read this scripture, for as in Adam all die. How many of you remember reading that? But the Bible goes on to say, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. We read, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But let's read on. The Bible says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? For the wages of sin is death. We read that. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's be sure to finish these verses. Let's don't just stop on the judgment. Let's read on and find about out about His goodness. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Glory to God. The Bible says He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that we can become the righteousness of God in Him. See, that, that, that what Jesus did, was, it's called the great exchange. We were bankrupt and he was rich. But you see, he, he came down and he became bank. He, he stepped in and became bankrupt for us in every way imaginable, spirit, soul, and body, so that we can experience the riches of Christ. Glory to God. Whew, I preach myself clean happy. This is a total message of victory. The Bible says, I'll close with these two verses. You can't really close a message like this. You just stop and pick up next time. Glory to God. Romans 5.18. I just... 
You okay? We need some more of this. I grew up on this kind of stuff. I didn't grow up on three points. Po- po- I didn't grow up on three points in a poem. I grew up watching men of God preach. I didn't grow up watching pansies stand in pulpits telling people what they want to hear. I grew up watching men of God stand in a pulpit, sweating under the power of God, preaching like this. I tell you, the body of Christ needs this kind of stuff. Romans 5.18, Therefore, as through one man's offense, as through one man's offense, who's that talking about? That's talking about Adam. Judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act. That would be Jesus. The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Amen? Now John 3.36, and we're done, I think. I'm not going to let a few thunderstorms get me down. That guy in that semi came for a message. He got him one today. Didn't you? Praise God. He might just start doing wheelies in the parking lot with that semi afterward. Praise God. I don't even know him, but I met him at the door. He's a good guy. I like him. Anybody that comes to church in a semi has got to be a good guy. John 3.36 He who believes... And that doesn't just mean believing with your head. That means selling out to Jesus. He who believes the Son has everlasting life. But he who does not believe, who does not sell out to the Son shall not see life, but the wrath or the judgment of God abides on him. I just want to tell you here today, if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus with all your heart and you haven't sold out to him, I want to tell you something. All this bad stuff that we talked about rests on you right now. How can you get out from under that? Have you ever heard somebody say, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Well, I've seen this in a new lot. Look at this. Have you ever heard somebody say, the moment I accepted Jesus, it was like a heavy weight just fell off me? How many has ever heard anybody say that? How many of you, you experienced that yourself when you accepted Jesus? Like a heavy weight fell off you. What was that heavy weight? It was the wrath and the judgment of God that fell off you. Glory to God. And it was that everlasting life that was imparted to your spirit at the moment you accepted Jesus. See, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, there's heavy weight on you. I'm, I'm telling you, the moment you accept Jesus, I tell you, that weight will fall off. The minute you accept him. Those that are listening on the internet, by, uh, by internet, maybe, that's, that he, maybe you've never accepted Jesus, that heaviness is on you. Repent of your sins. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. Getting saved is the easiest thing in the world to do. And that weight will fall off you. You'll feel like a 10-ton truck just came off your shoulders. What is that? What is that? That's the weight of the judgment of God that's resting upon you that when you say yes to Jesus, that weight falls off. And the eternal life of God comes on the inside of you. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And you'll have the life of God to be successful now in this time. Stand with me if you would. Because if I don't have you stand, I'm going to preach.